The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. It's been a whirlwind week for my first guest this morning. You'll know the name Shane Dumphy from County Wexford. He's a journalist, author and now a winner and possible Oscar contender when it comes to movies. Shane's on the phone to tell us more about what has been going on. You're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill, Shane. Thanks, Orla. Thank you for having me. There's so many different titles that I forgot to put in there. We have documentary maker, <laughs> your lecturer. <laughs> but this... Yes, the list is getting longer. The list is getting longer. <laughs> and you would think at this stage you'd like to whittle down the list a bit, a little bit, Shane. Do you ever think you'd like to do that? <laughs> you see, the problem is, I, I think I have a short attention span, okay. so I like to be able to do lots of different things because it keeps keeps it interesting. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a new departure and okay. one that I wasn't expecting or planning at all. Well, this is just fabulous. And and when I was reading your Instagram post, it seems like it came as a shock to you as well. First of all, so let's, let's talk about Wednesday's Child and how it became a film adaptation and to start off what is Wednesday's Child when did you write that book Wednesday's Child is my first book so it's a memoir of a year that I spent doing child protection work in rural Ireland so a piece of non-fiction really a piece of non-fiction and it's very non-fiction I mean it is very much that year as it happened obviously names had to be changed and stuff like that but other than that it's a very very faithful um, rendition of a year that I spent doing child protection I wrote it in 2005 it was published in 2006 and to my great surprise went to number one on the bestseller list and stayed there for six weeks so yeah it's a a book a lot of people know about okay but did you put it you know you put it away and moved on to other books I did. It did very well. I was mm. offered a three book deal after that. All of those books did very well. Um, I'm about to publish book 23 in January of, the, of, of okay. next year. So, yeah, there's been a lot of water under the bridge between now and then. And you have moved on from nonfiction to fiction as well. So your career yes, is constantly book, my, evolving. Constantly evolving. My 10th book was my first uh, crime novel. And I've written, I think, seven of those. The eighth is about to come out in January. And I've just signed a three book deal for three new ones and a new crime series as well. So you're a multimillionaire at this stage. I wish, I wish. I mean, I, I, I still teach half the time. So I run the social care department of motor for college further education. Okay. And I write half the time. Um, I do media work. Um, I still do a bit of consultancy in terms of child protection. Um, I still play a bit of music. Wow. Um, I ghost write books as well. I, I, I wrote a book with um, John Brennan of um, At Your Service fame, you know, John and Francis uh-huh. Brennan. I wrote a book with him last year. Uh, so, yeah, I do, I do lots of different things still. I am not a millionaire. I'm okay. doing okay, okay, is the way I would describe Good to hear. My, my, my financial situation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to tell us anymore, Shane. But if I see you with no, a yacht, I'll know that was a complete lie, okay? So... <laughs> exactly, exactly. When you see me sa- sailing past down at the Key and Water. Oh, that, lo- that, I'll, I'll look forward on. to that. So let's go back to Wednesday's <laughs> Child. When did this start yeah. that this could possibly be turned into a, a film adaptation? Okay. Um, actually, the idea of of doing a film version of Wednesday's Child, originally it was a TV version, happened pretty shortly after the book came out. And I was contacted by some um, gentlemen in RTE initially 
who wanted to do a series and we just couldn't agree on how it was to be done. Um, they kind of wanted to alter the story to make a lot more happy endings and stuff in it. And I wasn't very happy with that. Shortly after that, then BBC Northern Ireland were in touch with me and they wanted to do my first two books. But again, they wanted to clean it up an awful lot. Mm. Um, and I remember actually having a conversation at a meeting in, in which I said, I want to see the dirt under the fingernails of these kids. It has to be real. So we parted company. And then there was nothing, no discussions about it for years. Then out of the blue, a couple of years ago, I got a call from Caroline Harvey. Caroline plays Farah in Fair City. And yeah. Caroline informed me she'd read the book when she was 16 years old. And it had always resonated with her. She was taking a break uh, from filming in, in Fair City. Most of the actors do a few months and then they have a few months off. Mm -hmm. She was on her few months off and she said she really wanted to get together to talk to me about making a movie version of Wednesday's Child. So I kind of said, well, look, there's no harm in having a chat. So we met for a couple of um, coffee drinking sessions in in, in Dublin um, over a few evenings. And I realized actually she and I got on really well, had a very similar vision and it kind of kicked off from there. And okay. um, these things take a long time. Uh -huh. um, it took a couple of years to write the script. Um, so the script was kind of, she, Caroline wrote the script and I, I sort of uh, consulted on it. Um, but I mean, she takes full credit for that. I just kind of said, no, this needs to be changed or that detail isn't accurate. But she completely wrote the script herself. Um, Charlie Bailey, who is a friend of Caroline's and is also an alumnus from Fair City. Yes, she played Kelly. Um, and, and Sasha recently, apparently, she, she had to step in to cover for another actor recently mm. in Fair City as well. And she's been in an advertising campaign, I think, for Healthy Eating or something okay. that's been quite big lately. Um, so Charlie and, and also starred in the film and co-produced it with Caroline. And um, yes, yeah, so we, we, we premiered in the world premiere was in the Galway Film Fla last weekend. Now, I went along to the Film Fla thinking that fil film festivals, you go along, you eat a lot of popcorn, you look at a lot of movies and then everyone has a great time and then you go home. I, I thought that's what it was. I had no idea there was even an award situation to be had. I didn't know that that was a factor. So I went along and Caroline and I were standing on the steps after the screening when somebody said to me, you know, you're, you're Wednesday's child. And I said, well, yeah, I, I wrote the book. Yeah. And they said, you know, you, you're aware that that's tipped to do quite well. <laughs> and I said, well, how, how do you mean? And they said, oh, no, we think it's going to win the big prize. And I, I kind of said, well, what prize, <laughs> you know? And I thought nothing more of it. I genuinely thought, because there was 50 short films showing over the, the weekend. Some, they were all of amazing quality and some mm. of them had like really big name actors in them. You know, I thought, I, OK, I mean, <laughs> Caroline was getting mobbed on the steps by Fair City fans. So I kind of I knew people knew who she was mm. in a big way. But I kind of thought, look, this is our little film. You know, it's 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 lovely, but it's it's not going to do anything. And Sunday evening, Caroline called me and said, we we won the big prize, wow. the um, Turn McBride. So you had where so were you at this stage? You hadn't gone to the prize giving. No, I hadn't gone to the prize giving. Um, I, I had gone home. Oh, right. I was, okay. parked, I was parked outside a chip shop in Wexford. When she <laughs> Proper order. <laughs> Proper order, exactly. So um, I was parked outside a chip shop waiting for my order when she when I got the call. So I thought, that's brilliant. I was delighted. Absolutely thrilled. And, um, you know, I, it was a big deal. The, the You know, Laura O'Shea, our, our director, was there. She got the award, gave a, a wonderful, very emotional speech. I thought this is great. And then Monday Monday evening, um, I got a message from Laura stating that the film FLA had just announced that the Tiernan McBride Award is a feeder, basically, 
for the Oscars. So because short films generally don't get a cinematic release because you don't really remember you used you used to get a short mm. before you saw the big film in the mm. cinema. So short films used to have a cinematic release. They don't anymore because you don't get those in the movies anymore. Mm. So um now the film festivals do that. So the Film Fla is one of the festivals that the Oscars, that the Academy uses to choose to select short films. That's so amazing. the Turn and McBride Award automatically qualifies. So we are long listed wow. for the Oscars. Um, and that's surreal. Surreal. That's a very surreal thing. Yeah, that's it's it's absolutely bizarre. Phenomenal. How long when we're mm. talking short films, how long is Wednesday's Child? It's, I think, 12 and a half minutes. Okay, so it's the first okay. chapter. It is very short. It's, it's a self-contained story. Um, which which encapsulates the first chapter of Wednesday's Child. So um, Caroline plays me, okay. <laughs> which is very strange as well. People ask you, who do you think would play you in a movie version of your <laughs> your your book? Never thought it would be Caroline no, Harvey. No. Although, as I always say, the similarity between the two of us is uncanny. Okay. You know what I mean? You'd. Uh... <laughs> Um, so it's the first it's chapter. Month, but, uh, it's the first chapter. It's the first chapter. chapter. Okay. So it's the first day of 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 basically the, uh, of, of a new job, a social care worker starting a new child protection job, wow. basically. Okay. So she is going to her first um, home visit for a family in crisis. She's going with a um, more experienced social care worker um, who's played by Charlie. So the mm. two of them go along to this house. There is a family there, um, a mum who is having a, a, effectively a kind of a, a, an episode mm -hmm. and her daughter and grandchild are in the house as well. Okay. And as you can imagine, the, the visit doesn't go terribly well. And the film explores really the emotional impact and fallout of all of that. Oh, phenomenal. So that, yeah. That's amazing. Like, I, I, I think we, we live in an age now where most people believe that a job isn't for life unless, you know, you have a very a calling for something. You've just had so many jobs. Do you like do you thoroughly believe in yourself, Shane? Do you ever get feelings of imposter syndrome, for example? I, I'm having massive imposter syndrome <laughs> at the moment. OK, I was literally just having a conversation before someone, I came on. You never come across as someone who might have imposter syndrome, I think you come across as very authentic and and very much believing in what you do. Well, I be, I very much believe in, I mean, that the, the child, for me, it, the, the child protection element of what I do is, is, is probably the big thing. Um, and even the, the, the fiction that I write has elements of that and really uh, tries to address that issue. And I really believe in that. I mean, I, I'm on the record as a, as a survivor of, of, of abuse myself mm. Um, it's it's something that I believe is absolutely crucial and huge and is, is one of the biggest struggles that we have to make sure that the children and vulnerable people are protected. That I believe in very firmly. And when the work that I do gives me an opportunity to push those ideas to the fore, you know, that makes me feel good. Um, what I'm not all that good at are, is, is things like... Um, you know, standing on the steps of the theatre and, uh -huh. you know, when, when somebody comes to me and is, you know, telling me, gosh, this is really good or this is amazing or, you know, it, it, it always makes me feel a little bit kind of, wow, really, it's, it's, it, it I, I often feel terribly, terribly lucky and terribly blessed to be able to do the things that I do. Mm. Um, you've said I've had lots of jobs. Every job that I've had, I have 
loved okay. and I felt privileged to be able to do. Uh-huh. Um, I love teaching. I love the experience. I know you teach as well. I mean, I love the experience of, of, of seeing students getting it and really being moved by an idea idea or by a piece of information. Um, the idea that I'm, you know, that I started publishing in 2006, it's 2022 and people still want to read what I publish is amazing to me um, and, and surprising. I mean, when I get emails from America or, you know, somebody contacts me from Singapore or South Africa, or I read a review of one of my books from Texas, um, from some newspaper in Texas and, and they're enjoying it or getting something out of it. That 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 always makes me stop and, and, and take stock and think, wow, you know, that somebody right across the other side of the world is reading the words that I wrote and, and, and is getting something out of it. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. And it's the same with the idea of the Academy, that, mm. you know, the, the Motion Picture Academy, people in that, you know, somebody like Steven Spielberg, I don't even know whether he'll be one of the people, but somebody like that will be looking at that film, that story that I wrote mm-hmm. in my living room in Wexford Town in 2005, you know, talking about an experience that happened to me in the middle of rural Ireland sometime in the late 90s. You know, that, that that's going to be impacting on them. That's a very big deal as well. It really is. And you could be heading to California next year, perhaps, as one of the could Academy Award March, nominees. Yeah. March, we'll have all our fingers crossed for you and for Wednesday's Child. So are you saying there's nowhere really that we can see it at the moment? Or are you hoping that it'll be shown somewhere else? At the, I'm expect at the moment it's still doing the film festival okay. circuit, so there's a few more festivals to be done. I have a feeling that the sh- some of the the winning shorts get shown on RTE. Yes, they do. Actually. I think that's where yeah. you're, it's likely. I think that's where it's like. So I think Network Two um, is where they get shown. So believe me, I will be bombarding social media um, with times and dates when that happens because okay. lots of people are contacting me at the moment saying where can we see it. So I think it's going to be Network Two probably um, sometime in the autumn. Yeah, RTE, RTE Two. These days. <laughs> is it not, it's not called Network 2 no, anymore is it oh dear I'm showing RT2. my age it's gone back to RT2 okay well, listen, Shane, thank I you hope for correcting me that's okay that's what I'm here for um, I hope you're being treated like a massive star in your house these days now Oh, believe me. Um, look, I've just been talking to my sister, who is absolutely brilliant in bringing me down to earth with a bang. Her fa- her favorite statement is "child protection expert, my arse." You know, so. Uh... <laughs> oh, you have to enjoy a good Irish slagging, don't you? <laughs> you do absolutely, and family are great for that. Oh, they really oh no, are. look, I'm, 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 I, you know, in fairness, pe- people have been absolutely wonderful. The warmth and the enthusiasm that this has been received with has been has been really, really humbling. So, oh, and it's, it's. I think it's when everybody else is making a fuss about what big a deal it is. It's kind of making me realize, okay, actually. This is this is pretty remarkable. So yeah, I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to. But the problem okay. is as well. I have another book. I have another book. The deadline of which is due in on the 26th of this month, which I haven't had time to get near because I've been talking to a lot of people about about this. So that's very much bubbling away at the back of my head as well. That I need to get back to the keyboard. So um, this is the the work of a, the, the world of a jobbing writer. That's you it. know, that's um, it. With many many different it, jobs. Well, look, we'll let you get back yeah. to that keyboard. Thanks a million, Shane, for joining us this morning. Thanks, um, Orla. We'll really appreciate for it. Wednesday's Child if it's shown on RTE or anywhere else. Shane's Instagram is Shane Dumphy Writer, isn't that right? That's probably the best place no, to get Shane, it. Shane writes books. Shane, Shane writes, writes books. books. So that is mm. Shane writes books and let's fingers all fingers crossed to see if that long list turns into a short list for best short film at the Oscars in March 2023. Shane, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thanks Orla, appreciate it. 
for Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's a Sunday morning here on Beat 102-103. Now, bear with me on this one because I think the following title puts the fear of God in people, even though if you're like me, you won't even have a clue what it's about. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about war and peace. Yes, Gift Horse are a Dublin-based theatre company and they're bringing Leo Tolstoy's epic War and Peace to outdoor theatres around over the bank holiday weekend. That is the August bank holiday weekend in Wexford. They are the voices of Signe Laurie. Um, she is a producer and actor in the show and writer of the show is Doris Deveres and they joined me this morning on the Sunday Grill. You're both very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And do you hate when you hear people say they're scared of war and peace? Can you can you sell it to me in a <laughs> and just just bear in mind that I'm someone who loves reality television, a little bit of soap opera. <laughs> How would you sell war and peace to someone like me? Well, it really isn't unlike reality TV in oh, many God. ways in that it's about relationships between people mostly. Um Yes, it's a 1,400-page book from the 19th century, but we've condensed it down to a two-and-a-half-hour show, including an interval, and it's brought to you by a cast of eight uh, who tell the story uh, in many ways, including dance and singing, and there's a lot of, like, doubling up of the roles, and it's a really, well, fun show for quite an interesting and lively book. Okay. Have you read the book, Doris? I have read the book, yes. Okay. I um, <laughs> read it because we had chosen to adapt it before any of us had ever read it. Okay. Uh, but I really liked it. So Did you? Nice. Okay. And like I, I, like, I don't know where I've got the idea of, I think it was kind of used in a, as an example of a really massive, confusing book, but that doesn't mean that I know anything about War and Peace. Uh, Signe, you might give us an abridged version of what War and Peace is about. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'll do my best. Um, I will say I I tried to read it. I got about a quarter of the way through and um, most of the cast also haven't read it. So if you haven't read it, that's no problem. Most yeah. of us haven't either. Um, but there's kind of, um, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is like a really kind of long epic novel. But um, there are two characters, Pierre Bazukov and Andrei Bolkonsky, who are sort of the center points, like the eyes of the storm in a way. Um, and then you have all these other characters kind of branching out from them. Um, and the novel covers, if I'm right, Doris, 1805 to 1820. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And you just kind of see all these different relationships develop and there's births and deaths and love and friendship. Um, and obviously there's all the different um, wars over that period. Um, but I mean, obviously it's a long book. So we had to choose what interested us as theatre makers and as young women but um also what we thought would interest a modern audience so Doris has kind of um taken a focus on kind of juxtaposing the gossip and the vanity with the um kind of stark reality of war and looking at the kind of friendship versus love um and we also brought out there's quite a lot of queer undertones in the novel like that you don't even have to read into like they're very much just Mm -hmm. there um that we've really enjoyed playing around with um and we've taken a kind of gender blind approach to casting. Okay. Um, so that's been fun. But yeah, it's hard to give you <laughs> a kind of chronological uh, summary of the story because it, it is long. Um, but that but would it, be my, my broad overview. But it does sound like it deals with a lot of the issues that we deal with today. You know, even though it's set in, in the 18th century, as you said, 
that it's, you know, uh, gossip, vanity, war. We're, we're dealing with all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it feels very kind of um, current in um, a lot of ways. And I think that's something that's always really fun when you do an adaptation um, where you're kind of retelling a classic story is to find those moments where um, it feels really pertinent today. Um, and even though we haven't modernized it, it's definitely a very modern take in spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think audience would find a lot to kind of relate to in it. Mm. Now, you're bringing it to outdoor venues and two gorgeous outdoor venues in Wexford is where you're coming in the southeast. And they are um, JFK, the Arboretum, just outside New Ross, and then Turnton Abbey as well. Two very different venues. Do you incorporate, Doris, your surroundings into each of the performances? Yes, we definitely do. We have a portable set that basically can be put down anywhere but we very much engage with the surroundings in that we want to know exactly what the backdrop will be because the the outside is such a big part of our stage vision as well then and we have to know what the audience is going to sit where they will hear the best like what will look the best and what will create the most um intimate atmosphere because it is such a small audience mm. so we really look at in those beautiful venues where to place the audience where to place the actors to create the best experience possible okay and when you say a small audience how many tickets are you selling for each of those so each show is has around uh eight uh audience members. Eighty. okay AC just mm-hmm. okay and why is that because we want to gain the intimate spirit of our shows so we don't want to use mics and basically if you don't use mics, you can't reach that far with, with your voice. Mm. So we want to keep it small enough so that everyone can hear well and everyone can be close enough to the actors to really see what's going on. OK, um, you're both part of Gift Horse um, Theatre Group in Dublin. You're well known for bringing breaths of fresh air into classic dramas. Um, t- is War and Peace quite an undertaking, even though you've done stuff like this before? <sighs> Well, the size of it definitely is different to what we've done before. Okay. But we we use the same spirit of playfulness and um, choosing bits from a story that we like. So in that sense, it's just a sh- like a show that uh, a show like any other for us. In that we take a classic, we look at what we still like from that classic, and we put that on stage because it's our story now, and uh, we only show what we care about. Okay. And do you find that you have a, you know, when it comes to the audience, like what age group of audience usually come to this? And what sort of people would you like to see come and see War and Peace in Wexford over the August bank holiday? Well, um, we we have quite a big um, age range uh, come mm. to our shows, um, which is great because, I mean, so we, uh, all of us in Gift Horse graduated a year ago. So we do have a lot of people kind of, um, you know, early 20s kind of student age come from people that we know but then the great thing about going to these um kind of stately homes that are I suppose outside our normal uh kind of places that we would visit is that Mm. you reach this whole other audience we have a lot of older people come a lot of people like to bring their families um and although none of our shows have been explicitly kind of um family shows or, or directed towards children um, we've had children come to all of our shows and they've always seemed to uh, enjoy themselves. Um, so it is quite a big cross section. I suppose we'd really like to see um, uh, young people coming yeah. to the show this time. Uh, we would want to show that the, the classics aren't just for, for older people. You don't have to have read the books. Um, and also that I think there's something really kind of magical about open air theatre and mm. 
being outside um, and being in the natural space and that it's not just that it shouldn't be this kind of oh it's an exclusive stately home it's yeah. actually just it's a really lovely outdoor space yeah totally and you know it kind of takes away from you know some people are intimidated by theatre so you know it takes away from that intimidation that you're outside as well now let's talk about being outside because last time I talked to you Signe you were putting on tests and it was during the pandemic but everything seemed to be going well because you were going to be outside but it all went awry didn't it <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um, we because Tess was uh, was first performed before the pandemic, and it was outside then. So um, when we had planned our tour for August 2020, we thought perfect, we can go ahead. It's outside, um, and everything was uh, going very smoothly up until the last minute. Um, we had it was a small tour; it was uh, five nights, but we had sold out. Um, and uh, the night before it was sort of bags packed everyone was raring to go uh, and unfortunately that was when there was a huge shift in the restrictions and rather than uh, 200 people being allowed to be together it went down to 15 oh. um, and we did try various times to reschedule um, but obviously trying to prioritize everyone's health and safety and also kind of negotiating with everyone involved um, in the end it just proved too difficult but um, we were able to go ahead with the tour last year of Twelfth Night um, and that was, it did feel amazing to kind of finally be doing it um, after we'd had that kind of, um, that uh, issue last year, the year before. Um, and I mean, I know personally, I didn't really believe it was going to happen until I was standing on stage on the last night because okay. I was just like, something's going to happen. There's going to be some emergency <laughs> restriction introduced. Um, but yeah, it was great to kind of finally be able to take a take a show on the road. Oh, brilliant. Well, look, um, it looks like it will go ahead this year and in two gorgeous venues, as I said, in County Wexford, that is Chintern Abbey and JFK, the Arboretum there over the bank holiday weekend. Probably the best place to go is your Instagram which is Gift Horse Theatre and you'll get more details on the various tour dates if you fancy travelling outside of the southeast. there's lots of other venues uh, around the country for War and Peace from Gift Horse Theatre Company and that's what you search for on Instagram Gift Horse Theatre Company and you'll see lots of pictures of the rehearsals and the cast um, and then if you want to check out the tickets you can click on the link there Guys, thanks a million, Doris and Signe, for joining me this morning. You have made War and Peace into something that I would like to go and see and in some gorgeous venues in County Wexford as well. So thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. And next Saturday is Gorn Park's Summer Ladies' Day in County Kilkenny. It returns after a two-year break thanks to COVID. The search for the race day's ladies' best dressed takes place on Saturday. And the judge is fashionista and blogger Lorraine Booth, also known as Style Boutique, she joins me to chat fashion and what makes a great race day outfit this morning. You're very welcome, Lorraine. Thank you so much for having me on, Orla. Are you a race day fashion lady who likes to go and, and go and show off her fashions? I am. I'm a regular uh, lace day, race day attendee. Um, I absolutely love heading to the races with um, a group of girls. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be invited as guest judge for Goran Park on the 23rd. Brilliant. Um, and there'll be a team of judges as well from McDonough Junction and, and the Lyrath as well. Isn't that right? 
that's it. Yeah, the two okay. main sponsors. So it's not all falling to you to have to judge the best dress. Thank goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done this best dressed races. What would be your advice for someone who's a novice at doing something like this? So I suppose what I'm looking for is I myself love to have fun with fashion. Mm -hmm. So I think don't take it too serious. I love to see people who really let their personality shine. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so don't be afraid to kind of embrace a bit of color, add something a little bit quirky, be it a hat, a bag or maybe your shoes. Um, For me, a race day outfit really isn't complete without a hat or a headpiece. And there are so many wonderful Irish milliners now that there's really no excuse to find a piece that really makes you stand out from the crowd. Okay. Um, And is there anyone in particular that you would kind of refer to as having amazing fashion in your eyes? I suppose in terms of ladies day style, there are a couple of ladies who just kind of nail it mm-hmm. um, every time Jennifer Wren who is actually a milliner herself has absolutely fabulous style um, so she would be someone that I would look to um, and of course you know looking at some of the race days maybe like Royal Ascot and, and places like that you can get a lot of inspiration from mm-hmm. and a headpiece or a hat for you which would you choose totally dependent on the person and the outfit I think you have to be comfortable so for some people that might be something hugely extravagant and for others it could be just something small but that complements what they're wearing okay and do you find like I was watching you know Georgia Toffolo who's also known as Toff from Maiden Chelsea she goes to a lot of race days and she was on Ascot I think recently and I found her outfit really wacky are you into wacky like maybe you didn't think it was wacky yourself but you know sometimes you almost think it was so wacky what was she comfortable in this you know yeah and I do think I mean you do have to remember that ladies day while yes you want to have some fun and you want to show personality I do think that kind of elegance um, should be the epitome of your outfit, you know, so I think it should be appropriate. It is not a Saturday night, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon at um, the race course. So I I suppose stylish and elegant while still adding little touches um, of fun, I think is what I personally look for. Okay, good stuff. And all different shapes and sizes, I hope, because, you know, I, I look at a lot of ladies days and they always seem to be the same kind of straight up and down size, kind of 10 to 12s. It's nice to see other different shapes and sizes out there, isn't there? Isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, for me, it is all about just, you know, turning up in your best, feeling your best, looking your best, having either a group of the girls or a group of friends and just really, you know, not being afraid to enjoy the day, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And have you got your outfit sorted out? And are you in a weird kind of a funk where you, you know, you can't be out shining people who are going to be judged on the day? I don't think there's any fear of that, but I do indeed. Um, I suppose for me, I'm going to be on my feet all day. So I'm trying to be comfortable yet stylish. Okay. So what are you looking, wear? really looking forward. And what's the feet going to be then? Like, are you still a heels person no matter what? I am. I'm, I'm barely five foot one. So heels <laughs> are a bit of an essential in my case. <laughs> and how would you describe your style yourself, Lorraine? I am somebody who, my, my, 
style changes all the time, kind of depending on my mood, where I'm going. So I'd say my style is, you know, dependent on the day. I am. Um, I don't. I don't nail it down to anything in particular. I, I kind of like to experiment and, as I said, have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Well, some gorgeous photos going around of you as well uh, for the announcement of the Goran Parks Lady Day. And um, when you were photographed at the Lyra in a really gorgeous blue dress, and would you call your hat a hat or a headpiece? What would you call what you were wearing that day? I would call that a headpiece. Yeah, and the beautiful dress from McDonough Junction as well from Carrickdon. Gorgeous, just love. Lovely. So and, you know, we need to think about the heat as well. Have you that in mind? Are you layering or what are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, we're having a heat wave at the moment, mm. but you just never know how you it's really going to go in a week's time, 10 days time. So I would say layers is key. You know, you, you never know when a wind or um, a cloud is going to come over you. So I do think you need to sort of be prepared and layers is definitely the way to go. OK, good stuff. Well, some good advice there from the judge of this year's Ladies Day returning to Goran Park in County Kilkenny after a two year absence. You can get more details from gorenpark.ie and it is next Saturday of course and Lorraine Booth is the woman to watch out for she is the judge along with members from the Lyrath and from McDonough Junction and the prizes come from the Lyrath and McDonough as well gorenpark.ie next Saturday best of luck if you're someone who's heading on the day and hoping to be best dressed look out for Lorraine and Lorraine is at Style Boutique on Instagram thanks a million for joining me Lorraine thank you so much Orla the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Let's talk a little bit of Irish culture. If you've pals over from another country or for you fancy an evening of traditional music, song and dance at the foot of the Rock of Cattle, then Brew Brew has it all. They kicked off their summer season this week and Ronan O'Brien is on the phone to tell us more about it. You're very welcome. Thanks very much, Orla. Good to chat to you. You don't get much more Irish than the bottom of the Rock of Cattle, do you? Absolutely. We're at an iconic location here, uh, probably one of the most iconic sites in Europe even. And uh, yeah, we're at the foot of it here with, our, with, with what we're doing in the traditional entertainment side of things. So very fortunate to be in the location we are in. And is it noticeable the amount of visitor, visitors from uh, other parts of the world compared to what the last two years have been like? Oh yeah, absolutely sure. It's transformed completely. We were effectively shut down, like all mm-hmm. like all sectors uh, or most sectors certainly for the last two years. We're back up and running, thank God, since January, and this is our first summer season of shows since 2019. And um, you know, we had our first show last night, and uh, it was it was very good to be back. I have oh, to say, brilliant. Explain to people who don't know what Broom Brew is. Um, as we said, it is at the Rock of Cashel. It's it's easy to find, but what's the ethos behind it? Yeah, so uh, exactly. We're at the foot of the Rock of Cashel here. We are a cultural centre for Coltus Kjol Torriéren. Um, our ethos is promotion of traditional music, song, dance and the language. Um, because of our location and the proximity to rock, we've also developed a cultural tourism product. Um, and that is part of the summer season of shows we run. We also have traditional music, song and dance uh, classes here. We have a very strong branch in Castle of Coltus. We have over 100 kids in classes each week. Um, we have our Sounds of History exhibition, which is the story of Ireland in a series of self-guided presentations. We have our craft shop, cafe and restaurant facilities as well. Wow. And kind of percentage wise, do you get a lot of Irish people there or is it mostly visitors coming to you? 
yeah, it's interesting. In this season I suppose, in particular, I suppose. Yeah, certainly. Like the domestics, the domestic uh, market is very strong this year. But thankfully, we're seeing the international tourists back. A lot of independent travellers, the tour buses are coming back in very strong numbers. But I would say in relation to our summer shows as well, we are we, we rely heavily on the domestic market um, and they're very good to us and they love what we offer and our repeat business is very strong with it. And we had people here at the show last night that hadn't been here in two years. And by God, were they glad to be back, you know, we had such a brilliant atmosphere last night, but it's a cross section. And that mm. was that was what was lovely about last night. It was total cross section of tourists, uh, people from the town, uh, family members of performers. We had about 150 people here last night that just, you know, it was just a great energy, I have to say. Brilliant. And how are you telling that story of Irish history and culture? How are you getting it across to people in an entertaining way? Yeah. So the performance group that, that do the show, um, it's really authentic traditional music, song and dance. Our group would have actually represented Ireland at five World Expos at okay. this stage. Um, so they're at a very high end. All of our performers would be All-Ireland champions through the Flack Hole series uh, of competitions. Um, and that's on in Mullingar, God, in a few weeks' time. So there'll be another uh, set of performers competing there. But how we do it is we have a show of about an hour and 15 minutes, but it's all really high-end traditional music, song and dance, like the top musicians, singers and dancers you could have. And then what we do, we bring the group and the visitors to our Tiak for an informal session afterwards where they get to meet the performers, they have a bit oh. of crack, a siege of Venice, uh, a cup of tea, drink from the bar if they'd like it. And they get to they get to mingle there and it's 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 less formal. And they also get to perform themselves if any of them have an old party piece, you know, so it's a great bit of fun. And uh, there's a diverse range of party pieces, I can tell you, down in our <laughs> chalk yole <laughs> on in, any night of the shows. So you, <laughs> you could do anything. anything. <laughs> you could do a bit of Kings of Leon indeed. if you wanted to. Uh, we had a lovely moment last night where some Ukrainian people who had oh. um who had left the Ukraine not so long ago um sang down in the in the chalk yole last night. It was quite a moving piece, but it was great fun. But but uh, as I say, you can you can have everything in it, and that's the beauty of it. You know, it's 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 across the board. Whatever you can do, we're delighted to give you the stage for a few minutes there to perform. You oh, know, fab. sounds like uh, quite the experience. And back in March, of yeah. course, um, the Prin- Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall. That's where they were entertained as well yeah. when they came over to the yeah. southeast, didn't weren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. We had a huge event here in March and it really catapulted us back into activity post-COVID. It was a huge event. Um, and we had uh, Prince Charles and Camilla here with us for about an hour and a half. Did they, they sing a song or some, anything? They, they learned some Irish dancing, oh. Orla, I'll tell you. And they weren't too bad either now, I'll tell you. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite the day. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a poignant enough day because... Prince Charles had his speech here. He spoke in Irish here. And, you know, it was was symbolic, you know, and uh, we were delighted to be part of it. It was a a huge event for the town of Cashel um, and and certainly the southeast in itself, you know, and uh, we were delighted to be able to showcase traditional entertainment and we were I think it was it was it was particularly enjoyable the fact that they actually really immersed themselves in it and, and had a real interest in it which was really nice on the day. Yeah and a really energetic experience for them as well I'd say that hour or Absolutely. so that they spent with you. Absolutely yeah yeah. If you want to check out what's happening at Brewbrew over the summer and beyond well it's B-O-R-U B-O-R-U dot I-E there's a what's on section and then your night of Irish culture and storytelling happens on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday throughout the summer season until mid-August August the 12th Brilliant Good That's stuff super. I'm glad to hear Brilliant. you are so busy again after two yeah. uh, two years really of the music going silent wasn't it? That, that, that's absolutely it. The entertainment sector really took a, a tough time over the two years, but it's back and it's back with a bang certainly here. Brilliant. That is good to hear. That yeah. is Ronan O'Brien from Brew Baru at the foot of the Rocket Cashel in County Tipperary. Thanks a million, Ronan, for talking Thank to me. 
Thanks, Orla. Really appreciate it. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Across the southeast, you are listening to Beat 102-103. Let's talk movies. And not much going on in the cinemas because of a certain <coughs> crawdads coming out soon. <sighs> Brian is a little bit aghast at how much I talk about where the crawdads sing. She is very excited to see it. Do you know what? I wasn't obsessed with the um, book. Loads of people are. But I really, really like um, Daisy Edgar Jones, who of course was in Normal People and she's um, the main star in this. I think it's going to be a really good watch and it is out next week. So let's wait and see and make Brian go and see it because he looks so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what I love, I love a good, deep, slow drama. You know me. <laughs> I think it'd be better if it was a slow horror movie, I think. <laughs> well, instead, we sent him to Netflix. And if you fancy a light summary drama from your sofa that'll make you feel all sentimental about the European coast and you can do it while lying prone and looking at your phone, well, this might be the movie for you. It's called Under the Amalfi Coast. You need to be able <laughs> under or the willing. Sun. Oh, under the Amalfi Sun, sorry. You need to be willing and able to read subtitles when I suggested this to Brian he seemed really disappointed that he was going to have to do a little bit of reading I just want to I just want to put into context Orla said we'll both watch this together <laughs> and I was like you okay Orla, Orla okay we'll both watch it and then we can really just then we can decide then we can talk about it ourselves and I'll be so happy that I'll have seen a movie that Orla has seen because <laughs> whenever I bring up even she's like I haven't seen Jurassic Park I haven't seen Toy Story I haven't seen <laughs> Any movie ever created, and I'm like, yeah. okay, Under the Amalfi Sun, which we now learn is is a, is a sequel, which we only learned today. Well, obviously you, did, you didn't need to no, watch the yeah, first one. If you're a big fan of the Under Amal, Under Under the Sun franchise, you don't have to you're just jump in. Grand. There's no load of movies you have to catch up on beforehand. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So Orla has completely deceived me, and but ah, uh, now I said I'd watch it. I didn't say when I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to have not watched it for this morning. <laughs> okay, so are you ready now? Obviously, the trailer is in Italian. Yeah, but there's that horrific American dubbed trailer as well. So uh, you could have had the choice to have watched I, Under the Amalfi Sun I with American it. accent. Will we listen to the dub to start oh, with? No, okay, because it's dreadful and it will give people a real sense of the storyline. Or will it? Here we go. Just thirty seconds. Okay. It's his first time going away without me. Listen, how about a plate of Chiatelli and Malfatani instead of going to Sicily? Vincenzo! Sweetie! What are you here for? I can't believe that I can't just have a normal goddamn vacation without everyone I know worrying about me. Why won't anyone just trust me? That first voice sounded like you, Orla. No, it didn't. I thought it did. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> now, now listen to the exact same scenes in Italian. Stay calm. Ti vedo un po' troppo casato. È proprio tatticamente sbagliato mostrare tutto questo entusiasmo. Ma che vedo io le voglio chiedere di venire a vivere con me? Sei scemo. I'm feeling it. I can understand. You are definitely there you go. Anyway, very confusing. Um, obviously, <laughs> when it's said in Italian, it's said in a very long-winded, beautiful way. And then it's like, no, I don't want to go on a vacation with my mom. Okay, under the... <laughs> <laughs> how exalted. The, be- the beautifulness of how what, you say that. What just... words do you now know in Italian after watching Under oh, the Italian Sun? Uh, io mangio, uh, io bevo, 
Are uh, they all curse words? No, that means I eat and I drink. Okay. I tried to learn Italian when I was going to uh, Italy. I can't remember any of the words. Oh, I did the same. I did one of those tape things with my friend. And will I tell you the words we learned? Andiamo. Or you can't say that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it means. Uh, let's, it means let's go. Andiamo on Italia. That's all I know. Oh, I'd say gorgeous though. Is it under the Amalfi Sun, the movie? It is. It did make me think, hey... Out cheap for flights to, to Italy right Do now. Do we know where they are on the Amalfi, under the Amalfi sun? The Amalfi area. <laughs> <laughs> they probably said it. I probably, I probably, I didn't really take it in too much. Well, but it's hard to read subtitles there and was, try and concentrate and look at your phone at the same time. There was a, like, a, I was so busy. I had so many Tinder messages <laughs> coming in. You know what it is. Give us the premise of this. So it's essentially the main character is a blind lad. Right. And it's teenager, twenties. It's like his early twenties, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. And basically his girlfriend is coming over to visit, okay. bring her friend with her, and he essentially wants to ask her to move in. And there's a whole lot of like a little bit of storylines, but that's kind of the main one. It's basically how as him being blind, he's not really trusted by people and they keep like worrying about him way too much when okay. he can actually so look after himself. that's what we heard at the start of that with the English subtitles his mother yeah. saying this is his first time going away without me. Yeah and there's yeah. kind of like maybe kind of three other little rom-com stories happening at the same time as well between okay. his friend and then his like the girl's friend and one of the other lads and then his mother and father as well. It's, it's, it's a, there's a whole little thing but it's nice because it's not like focusing too much on okay this is just a story about a lad who's blind who's not trusted it's just a rom-com with a lad who happens to be blind, which I thought was nice. It doesn't happen a lot, like, you know? Mm. And what's the idea? Is he going to meet someone or does he meet someone while there by chance? So what, at the start of the movie, his his girlfriend comes over from Canada because right. she's been away for the last year. Okay. And he wants her, to, he thinks that she's free now, like she's finished college and stuff, and he's going to ask her to move in. But she's actually, there's, there's complications in that, let's say, as the time goes on. Okay. All right. What did you like about this? It's 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 a nice chill movie do you know mm. it's never anything where you completely lose your place and it's like I don't know it, it's nice to just watch a movie especially because it's an Italian you feel it's more localised do you know what I mean yeah so it's like it feels more for the area do you know if an Irish movie comes in it's like an all American thing and they just go from the cliffs of Mohar to Dublin yeah, in the space of like a conversation is like this is not what happens but it's like you're like it's set here it feels Local. It feels like okay, it's, it's so someone it who has love for like the area. Very, like, yeah, they're just know, this, this is just the location they have, kind of a thing. It feels like very like local to the area, which is nice because mm. I don't know. It gets you to see a place and like kind of feel lived in a place that yeah. you, you have never been to. And I'd say watching under the Amalfi Sun in the depths of winter here in Ireland would be a really nice thing to do. I feel because, it would be quite depressing cause well, we're like, because this, like is, this is what it could be. Just, Tell me, what did you dislike about it? Um, <laughs> it's. It's nothing revolutionary, if that makes sense. I don't want to be too, okay. too deep on it as well. But yeah, yeah. no, that's fine. But it's just kind of a bit kind of cringy in places. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like the com- like the American conversation, like, okay, it sounds worse because of the dub. But um, it's it's not exactly like you kind of expect it. Everything that happens, you kind of expect. But maybe it's just me from overwatching romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's just... I don't know. It's kind of just one of those things where you can just enjoy it. It's like it doesn't take itself too seriously at the same time. You know, it doesn't want to be this grand escape. It's just literally a 
a nice little story. And I say it's only 90 minutes as well. So it's. it's oh, thank God. I know. I knew you'd care about that, yes. but I thought you were going to watch it because <laughs> you'd have the time you. to, but I you know how it is. No, no. Yeah. Remember, I will watch it, just not now. Yeah. Uh, Under the Amalfi Sun is what it's called. It is on Netflix as we speak. It is a sequel. So if you fancy watching the first one, it's called. Now, we'll get this wrong, won't we? Under the Rigone Sun. I don't know. I couldn't. Like I can't that. even correct you. I couldn't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Any recognisable people in this? Or are they very much, you know, the fair city actors that they, we would recognise from a movie? They could be from some no Italian cinema, recognize. but there's no one I'd recognise personally from it now. Okay, good stuff. Well, if you fancy Under the Amalfi Sun, or in Italian, it is called Sato e Sole du Amalfi. Go for it there. Oh, Sato e Sole di Amalfi. Give us some black puddings. That I would say there is, well, maybe there is such a thing as black pudding in Italy, but it probably has a much sexier name well, uh, than black pudding. I would say pieces of salami. Salami. How many pieces <laughs> of <laughs> salami out of 10 would you give under I, the Amalfi? I give, like, give it like six. It's like, it's, it's grand. Do you okay. mean? It's nothing like it's 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 a movie genuinely. If you just if you if you want to turn on a movie and if you f- forget what half the movie is going into the second half of the movie, of who cares? Do you mean cares? it's just something to put on and it's nice okay. and the place setting is nice. And it's just just nice movie. All right, lovely. Just released on Netflix. It's called Under the Amalfi Sun. I will watch it for the Italian locations, like you said, okay. just to watch those yeah, it just, alleyways. It just, and it just feels like someone that knows the area. Do you mean, Gorgeous. they didn't just say, this is the tour spots. They Like, there are p- points where they're like, this is probably, they want to try and sell it. So mm-hmm. we do look at it and be like, oh, I might go there. But it is, it does kind of go more, like, real as well, like, okay. you know? It's a, f- a good starter while I wait for Crawdads. Yeah. That's what you will hopefully be reviewing next week. For I know, us. yeah. Imagine if I don't like it now. You're going to throw me out. I'm going to be okay with it. If, if I'm on it next week, it's because I didn't like Crawdads and, or I didn't like that I didn't like Crawdads. <laughs> but in the meantime, six black puddings or pieces of salami out of ten, <laughs> because we don't like to generalise here at all, no. out of ten for Under the Amalfi Sun. It's available on Netflix as we speak. Thanks a million, Brian. No other time. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.